0: Hey, guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Man, we are so excited. You guys are here today, and uh, we've had a great uh, 830 service and baptizing people one more time. Let's give it up for all those that got baptized this morning. Amazing. Man, we are so excited about what God is doing, and uh, how many guys know that women can become extremely well uh, at being detectives when they need to be, right? How many, how, how many of y'all got like y'all got strategic social media detective skills whenever you need to enact those things, right? right? So uh, your makeup armoire area may look ridiculous, but when you need to nail down somebody. Um, I remember uh, there was a girl I dated before I married Ashley, and she, uh, uh, one time, about four years into our marriage, she said, did you know, and she started rattling off details that I don't even think the CIA has on my ex-girlfriend. She's like, did you know this and this and this and this and this? And I, I said, no. She said, you haven't thought about her? And I was like, this is a trap. Uh, no, I haven't, <laughs> actually. Uh, and so, uh, And so I uh, she was... Like kind of rattle all these details. And, uh, so uh, I've realized, uh, that you ladies, uh, if you need to find somebody, find something or find something about someone, you guys have ridiculous skills. All right. Uh, but one thing that makes it hard is when people on social media have ridiculous names, right? And so when their Instagram or their Facebook or whatever, you know, it's like their name isn't their first and last name, you know, it's like Jason Neutron 850 or whatever. And you're like, how do I find this person if I'm trying to find them? Um, uh, And that makes it difficult, you know, especially, you know, for some of you, you've gone through four relationships in one year, you know what I'm saying? And you keep posting, this is the one, and we're all invested at this point. We want to know what happened to the last one that was the one, all right? So, like, we need updates on y'all's relationships. Anyway, so... But all that to say is when you can't find their name, it makes it hard to find the person, right? And so you go on there, you're looking for somebody, you're looking for so-and-so, can't find them. Like, how do I find this person? Because they changed their name. And so how many guys know it can be hard to find somebody if you don't have the right name that you're looking for, right? And, and, and the, the thing is that we, that we realize uh, when we look at the Bible is I feel like sometimes we play this game with God where we make it hard for him to find us. Right? Matter of fact, uh, I put it like this, it's a question I want you to think about. How much easier would it be to find God if we made it easier for God to find us? How much easier would it be to find God if we made it easier for God to find us? Now, before I create a theological crisis for you, all right, I'm not insinuating or suggesting that God doesn't know how to find you. All right, God knows exactly where you are at all times. And if He wants to come looking for you, He can come find you because He knows how to find you. All right, so it's not that God doesn't know where you are, it's that sometimes we're connected so much to who we used to be, we make it hard for God to find the person He's trying to make us become. We're so connected to an old identity that we make it hard for God to try. To connect us to who he's trying to make us become. Now, dream team, I need y'all to help me out today because I feel like preaching a little bit. All right. So I've been at a conference all week and I feel good today. All right. And so uh so all that to say is we're looking for, and, and so you say, Brad, what 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 does the Bible say on that? Well, I'll give it to you. I'm glad you asked. Genesis 3, 8 through 9. Adam and Eve, they sin in the garden, and this is what the Bible says, all right? It says, Then the man and his wife. Heard the Lord, the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, did he really know where they were? Of course. We're talking about God here, right? It's the same way anybody ever played hide and seek with a three-year-old? Right? Their legs hanging out from behind the couch and you're like, where are you? Right? Like, it's the same type of language that God is using right here. He's like, where are you? And they're like, surely God's not going to find us, but God will find you. Listen, the duration between God looking for you and God finding you isn't because he can't find you. The time frame that seems to get longer and longer when God wants to use you, but he can't seem to find you to use you is because you keep hiding from who he's trying to make you. You see, God is looking all the time, whether we're available changes, whether or not God gets to see the identity in us come to pass. And that's why that's so important. So God says, where are you? It reminds me of the story of this lady. She heard, she went to the doctor. They said, you got 10 years to live She said, "Oh no, I got ten years to live," and so she said, "That's it. I'm living my best life for ten years." So she went. She got new lips. She got new hips. All right. She was like, she was partying. Like she was, she was going in, and uh, she told God, "She said, if I got ten years left, you know what I mean? That's it." And so, uh, about eight months into the ten years, she got hit by a car, and she ended up in heaven. And she was asking one of the angels. She said, "What happened?" The angel said, "Claire." You'll get that in a minute. For far too many of us, we are far too connected to who we used to be, not to who we are. You see, in our name tag series, we've given you weeks on getting rid of something, but now I want to help you find something, all right? And so in the Bible, we've been going through the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And In Luke chapter 15, if you know the story, there's a man, he has two sons. He has an older son and a younger son. And the younger son comes to him. He says, Father, I want my share of the inheritance. So the father gives him his money. He leaves and he squanders it on wild living. All right, we've, we've used this passage a lot, but I'm just catching some of you up if you're new to this environment or haven't heard this story before. So he parties all his money away. A famine hits the land, and he ends up working for another person in the pig pens. And he's so hungry. He's so poor that he's so hungry that he literally wants to eat the pig slop because he doesn't have anything else to eat. Right? And in that moment, he starts realizing a few things, and that's what I want to talk to you about today as we're dealing with our identity. Say identity. Turn to your person next to you say identity. All right, turn to your second choice you just neglected on the other side of you and say identity, all right? Because here's the one thing I want you to understand as we kick this whole thing off. you ready? Struggling to connect with God is more an identity problem than it is a proximity problem. It's more of an identity problem than it is A proximity problem, right? Luke 15, 17 through 20 says this. It says, When he came to his senses, so the the younger son is, he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And the reality is this, it's more about your identity than it is your proximity. Because how many of you have ever prayed to God before? You were asking God for something. You're reaching out to heaven. You need, you need to connect with God. And in every attempt to connect with God, you feel like it's falling on deaf ears. Has anybody ever prayed before and you felt like God wasn't answering? Anybody ever reached out to heaven before and you felt like he just wasn't coming through? And the reality is this, I know for me that in the moments where I felt the farthest from God, in the moments where I felt disconnected from God, in the moments where I wanted wanted to be close to God, I wanted to hear from God, I wanted to feel the spirit of God touch my soul because I was in a dry season. In those moments, I was close to God, but I didn't feel like I was getting anything from God. Does that make sense? I felt close to him, but I wasn't getting anything. You want to know why? Because it wasn't a proximity problem. It was an identity problem. In those seasons where I felt like I wasn't getting anything from God, I can be close to God, but if I've forgotten who I am in God, then I'm not getting what I need to from God because we've changed our relationship. And when I'm coming to God, not as a son, but as a beggar, I'm not asking God for the right things. And so for me and for you, it's not a proximity problem. If you don't know who you are and listen to me, you don't know who God is, you can pray all you want, and you're going to feel like heaven is silent. But I'm here to tell you, if you realize who you are, your identity changes your relationship. If a random 10-year-old runs up to me to the mall tomorrow, never mind, I'm not going to the mall tomorrow. But if he were to, right? If he were to come up to me in the mall tomorrow and say, "Give me a hundred dollars." I'd be like, be gone, child. <laughs> right? But if one of my nieces ran up to me and said, Pastor Brad, I'm in trouble. He wouldn't say, Pastor Brad, Uncle Brad, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble, and I, I, I need $100 or to get my car fixed or whatever. I, I need, like, I, in, 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 and they were to touch my heart. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it to them. Why? What's the difference between my niece and that random child? I got a relationship with one of them. One of them has a name. I'm going to tell you today, we need to be connecting to God through our name. It's an identity problem. You need to know who you are. And in Luke chapter 15, the younger son, he comes home. And listen to me, when he walks to the door, he feels like he's walking in as a beggar. But the father still sees him as a son. Let's go back. Because this is what he says, right? The second thing I want you to understand as we're talking about wearing a new name tag, is don't underestimate what God is doing in private to prepare you for the new version of you. Don't underestimate what God is doing in private to prepare you for the new version of you, right? Because how many guys know God makes moves in private he doesn't tell you about? How many of you would love the 10-step plan God is working on for your life right now? How many also know you would ruin it if you got it? Come on, help me out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? On step three, you'd be like, I'm getting blessed by who? Trisha, absolutely not. I hate that woman. I do not want a blessing from her. God's like, you're getting a blessing from whoever you're getting it from. And if it were up to me, I would pick when my blessing came, who my blessing came from. God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to bring it. Listen, because I'm going to make sure that the foolish things of the world confound the Like I'm going to make sure that I use everything to bring myself glory. If it was going to go your way, you wouldn't just get the blessing. You'd also get the glory. But when I do it my way, you might get the blessing, but I'm getting the glory because God is interested in getting the glory out of your story. And so he says, I'm not going to roll out the plan for you because if I roll out the plan for you, you're going to mess it up. (laughs) Come on. Anybody? Okay, cool. I'm not alone in this. Right? He's doing things in private to prepare for the new virgin. Go back to Luke 15, 22 through 24. What does it say? So the son gets there, but the father said to his servants, so his son walks in, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it, let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is." Found, so they began to celebrate. Now, the question I have for you is this If the father was done having sons, why did he have more rings? The ring is a family signature that gives him authority to sign on the family's behalf. If the father had a ring, and the older brother had a ring, and the younger brother had a ring, and the only reason the younger brother doesn't have a ring is because he sold his ring because he was poor. Why is it that the father has another ring ready if he doesn't have any more sons? And the answer is because he was waiting for the day his son was going to walk back through the door. He said, I'm not going to wait till you get here to get something ready. I'm going to have it ready for when you get here. There was an element of, of the father working behind the scenes in private, preparing for the younger brother to come walking back through the door. And when he walked in, the father said, grab the ring that we've had. Grab the ring and put it on his hand. Grab the ring and give him the authority. Put a robe on his back. Put sandals on his feet. Give him the heir Jesus 12s today, right? So, they, they, so he sent them out. He says, put it all on him. Why? Because I want him to have the robe of royalty, the ring of authority and the sandals of peace that when he walks on this property, he's not a beggar, he's a son. And for some of us, we're trying to walk in the father's house as beggars, not sons and daughters. But he listened to me, where you've come from doesn't change the fact that God's been working some things in private, getting ready for your arrival. And God's working things out so that when you walk in, listen, he's doing it in private. He's doing it like he's preparing for it. But here's the thing about preparing for it is it doesn't matter how much you're trying to let God create a new you. How many guys know there are some people out there that still want to see us fail? How many you know it doesn't matter how high you try to climb the ladder, there's still somebody trying to yank you back down. It doesn't matter how you try to give God glory about what he's doing in your life. And they're going, yeah, but you're still the old you, though. How many guys know that people that refuse to climb the mountain on their own are really good at throwing rocks at people climbing theirs? (laughs) And so the reality is, he goes out, and then when he comes back in, the older brother. If you read the story, I'm, I'm skipping it for time. He says, the older brother says, he's out in the field. He comes back. He asks one of the servants, he says, what's going on? He says, your younger brother's here. Your dad just put a robe on his back, put a ring on his finger, right? Put Jerusalem cruisers on his feet. He's ready to go. He's, he's here. Your younger brother's here. And he's like, why is, why? He's like, you're, you're, a matter of fact, your dad just took the fattened calf and killed it. We're going to have a feast. We're going to celebrate your younger brother's here. And he doesn't celebrate. He gets frustrated he looks at the younger brother goes, why do you deserve to come walking back through the door? You already left with your inheritance. You squandered it. What makes you think you should be here? And he doesn't welcome him with open arms. He pushes him away. You don't deserve to be here. You already squandered your living. And so he goes to the father. He says, dad, you've never even given me a small goat to celebrate with my friends. But you killed a fattened calf for this, brother, for this son of yours, he says. He doesn't say brother of mine. He says son of yours. For this son of yours, you killed a fattened calf and you're celebrating. And the father says, we had to celebrate. Your, your, your brother was gone. He was dead and I was alive. So we have to celebrate. And he said, I refuse to celebrate my brother. And if you go back and you read, this isn't in the Bible, but we know it from Jewish history. That the older son... Do, when he ever, whenever the father would have died, he would have sold the, they would have given his estate. 66% would have went to the older brother and 33% would have went to the younger brother. So the younger brother got his 33% and said, I'm out. And he left and he squandered. When he came back and the father put the robe on his back and the ring on his finger, he didn't just reinstate his name. He reinstated his inheritance When he reestated his inheritance, guess whose percentage the younger brother's new percentage had to come from? Older brother. Older brother isn't mad that his younger brother showed up. Older brother's mad at what it cost him. His father said, we're going to bring you back into the family so that 66% you had, older brother, We're going to take another third from that and we're going to give that to the younger brother. Now, I don't know if you're a mathematician in the house, but if you take a third and you got two thirds and one third and you give the one third away and then you take one third away from the two thirds and give it to the other one again. You now, now the person that had two thirds has less than half of what the other one got. In other words, the younger brother ended up with more than the older brother would have gotten. You see, it's costly to bring people into the family. But can I tell you something? It's worth every penny. You're never going to have to wonder at Transformation Church if you have the right to walk back through the door. I don't care how long it's been. You never have to wonder if your past is following you through the door no matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter. Whenever you walk through the door, we're celebrating because a brother came home. We're celebrating because a sister came home. We're celebrating because he walked through the door. You say, what is it going to cost us? It doesn't matter what it's going to cost us. They were dead and now they're alive again. It doesn't matter what it's going to be. You know what? We're going to spend every penny. We're always going to have a ring ready. You want know why? Because I'm looking for every son and daughter of the king to come walking back through the door. Why? Because that's what we do. I don't care what was on your old name tag. I care what's going on your new one. I don't care where you've come from. I care where you're going. You want to know why? Because God's creating a new creation. And if we're going to hold people hostage to their past, we get to hold everybody hostage to their past. And not about you, but I don't want that done to me. Some of you, your past gets to fit on a postcard. Some of us, it goes on a Rolodex. <laughs> young people, Rolodexes are these things that you, God has a desire not to continue to see you for who you used to be, to see you for who you are. And that's why it's so beautiful. At TC, at TC, we will declare who you are, not who you've been. We're going to declare who you are, not who you've been. Where Where you come from is not my concern, where God is taking you is. Who you used to be, not my concern. Who God is making you is. Where God is bringing you out of, not my concern. Who he wants to make you is. The only reason I'm concerned with your past is the way that it connects to God getting the glory out of your story. Because your testimony matters. But we refuse to hold it over you. Why? We refuse to be the older brother in Luke chapter 15. That says, "I'm, I'm still concerned with who you used to be who you used to be isn't my concern. And I know this is hard. Matter of fact, we have a story of a young lady in our church who is navigating this, was navigating, and is on the other side of this exact type of thing in her life as she's been removing her name tag, and we want to show it to you. Go ahead, guys.
1: I feel like since coming here, the Holy Spirit's really opened my heart and my eyes to like, ugh, who I am as an individual um. If you feel like you're at the lowest spot in your life, just know God's producing the most fruit in you and he's not giving up on you and he's not done with you yet. My name is Allie and um, my life before TC is a whole lot of trying to figure out where I belong. I have an amazing mom, um, amazing. And um, she married an amazing guy. My biological dad was in and out of the picture. And when I was about 13, I remember a distinct conversation with him where he told me, look, when you turn 14, when you go into high school, um, we probably won't hang out as much. And I was heartbroken by this because this is my best friend. But when I turned 14, my dad just stopped, like stopped returning phone calls, stopped showing up to visits. No matter how great like my family is and no matter how many awesome influences I had in my life, I started out desperately needing um, approval and affirmation. I I saw his rejection as like, I identified with it. I am now the one who got forgotten or left behind. And it ended up being a theme through my life before TC. I grew up in church. I grew up here in Pensacola. I found out people can work for a church. Like, I want to do that. I want to help people. I decided to go to ministry college, and I found all my worth and all my identity in what I could produce or Um, how well I could communicate. In 2019, I got my first job and I moved to Mississippi um, doing communications. Um, I was struggling with the tension of, you know, knowing my identity was not rooted in God, but doing the Lord's work. So I came back and I started working for a local church. And about two years in, um, I've had a couple different positions there, just trying to be what anybody needed. That's how I stay valuable. Right, like What I can do is how I stay valuable. I did not like my life, I did not like myself. I was in a really toxic environment and I was in a really terrible mental place. And I think that cliche, like hurt people hurt people, um, was just happening all around me. So I did a fast and I felt the Lord say, the job was never supposed to make you content, I was. So I went to my boss and I was like, listen, I don't know how to say this, but, I don't want to step down from my role. I need to step down from getting paid to do this. March happens. Midway through, they uh, announced that the new people will be taking over. And of course, it was like, I didn't know what was happening. My overseer didn't know what was happening. My students didn't know what was happening. It was like my biggest fear of rejection came to life. I ended up at TC, sat on the back row after Pastor Brad's sermon. He said, I don't do this often, but I feel God prompting me to say, if you feel like you're at the lowest place in your life, if you feel like you're at the lowest spot in your life, just know God's producing the most fruit in you and he's not giving up on you and he's not done with you yet. I put my head in my hands and the Holy Spirit said, this is where you're supposed to heal. When I realized the culture was different is when I wasn't someone who could do something for people. Like, I was someone who mattered because I walked in. I had value because I chose to be here, but people remembered my name, you know? Like, that was so cool to me. You know, from there is all these friendships like that Some I have known for a long time, some I just met and I'm connecting with that are so different than me. But we sit together and it's still the most at peace like I've ever felt in friendships. And I fully believe that the prayers of these people are what set me up to the season of life I'm in now. Um, You know, I've watched Glenn's life change. I've watched my life change. It totally changed the way I view myself. I can say no i'm not putting on washed up pastor as my name tag or i'm not putting on girl with daddy issues or i'm not wearing the name tag of like no value unless you're doing something i'm putting on the new name tag to believe what god says and choosing to let my foundation be strong and rooted in god and not fragile and rooted in myself
0: so grateful for Ali's transparency because we all know what that feels like for the past to really dictate the future. For what's behind us to be the thing that controls what's in front of us. I think we can all resonate with what that feels like. And as I started thinking through just kind of landing the plane for this series, you know, this is the last week. And, and trying to help everybody understand that you get to declare who you are in Christ because of what God says that you are. And as we started getting ready for that, I was kind of thinking, you know, how, how do we communicate this in a way that people will understand kind of what they're going through and kind of what it looks like. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus speaks and, and he declares this. And I think for some of you, this, this is probably just going to resonate a little bit. Jesus says, come to me. Now, first and foremost, I think that that's just an amazing phrase because I think for so many of us, we feel like we got to get so many things situated and figured out before we, before we come to him. He says, come to me, all of you who are, listen to these two words, you ready? Weary and burdened. Have you ever been in that place in your life where you felt weary or burdened? Have you ever been in that place where you just felt tired? And here's a question I have. Have you ever been in that place where you felt tired, but you didn't know why you were tired? It wasn't like there was more on your plate. It wasn't like you were doing extra work, but you just kept finding yourself feeling overwhelmed by life. And quite frankly, you weren't sure what to do with it. Weary and burdened. He says, and I'll give you, say that word with me, rest. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. Notice Jesus didn't say, come to me if you're perfect and got it all together. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. Come to me if you're tired. Come to me if you're lonely. Come to me if you're hurting. And all the work you're trying to do for you, I'll actually give you rest in the middle of what you're working so hard to accomplish. And I'll give you rest. And this is what he says. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me because I'm I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. He says, and you're going to find rest, listen, not just for your body, not just for your mind. But how many guys know you can go on vacation and come back tired? Right? He said, you won't just find rest for this or for this. He said, you'll find rest for your soul. He says, I'll give you rest in a place you didn't even know you needed it. And you didn't even know you could have it. You'll find rest for your soul. And this is what he said, take my yoke on you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I want you to carry is easy and what I want you to carry is light. And as I thought through this, I started thinking about what it would look like to kind of showcase what I feel like some of us are doing right now. And, and so I, I, uh, I had them get me this rope because I feel like for some of us, this is kind of where we are in our journey is where we, we're going and, and, and back there, we've tied ourselves to our old identity, our old name tag. And so here we are, Jesus says, follow me. And we're like, come on, man, let's follow Jesus. And so we're going after him. And then we get yanked back and we go, man, that was crazy. That's not the old me. And we do, we turn around and try to do it again. I'm going after Jesus and then we get yanked back again. And then what, so then we start trying to fight it. And here's what we do, are you ready? We start trying to drag the old us towards Jesus. Come on with my anger problem. Come on with my porn problem. Come on with my sin. I'm trying to drag the old me. And here's what we're also trying to do. We're trying to show the whole world we're good enough to make the old us worthy of following Jesus. But you're never gonna make the whole world convinced that the old you is worthy enough to follow Jesus. Can I tell you why? Cause it's not. The the secret to following Jesus isn't to get the old you good enough. It's to put the old you down and start following Jesus. It's not to try to get the old you moving. It's to find the new you. That's why Jesus says, I'm not interested in who you used to be. I'm interested in who I'm making you. I'm interested in who you're going to become. But here's the thing. You want to know why it's so hard to drag the old us around? You want to know what I'm tied to over there? I'm anchored to the wall. You want to know what the wall is anchored to? The stage. I'm literally trying to drag the very thing that I'm anchored to, but the thing that I'm anchored to is anchored to my foundation. You don't get to change. You don't get to drag your foundation around and follow Jesus. You don't need a, an old foundation. You need a newfound Freedom. That's why your old identity may be anchored to your foundation. It may be anchored to how you were raised. It may be anchored to what you went through. It may may be anchored to all those things, but listen, your old identity may be anchored to your foundation, but your new identity is only found in true freedom. To let go of what was back there and say, I don't even have to try to move that thing anymore. My only responsibility is to just let that thing go. And Jesus says, if you'll just take something new, and put this on, you don't have to worry about that anymore. On the way in, hopefully you got one of these. We wanted to give you new name tags, but we didn't wanna give you ones that were gonna wear off in three days. So we had them printed for you. And I I want you to, in in our moment of reflection, I'm gonna invite you to put something in this label. And I want you, man, I, I don't care if you if duct tape it to your kid's forehead or whatever. Anything, you're gonna see it every day. That's where I want you to put it, all right? But in all seriousness, maybe it needs to go in your car. We actually printed it business card size so it could go in your wallet. But some of you, you need to start looking every day at who you are, not who you used to be. You need to start reminding yourself of who God says you are, not who you used to be. You need to start looking at who Jesus says you are. But sometimes we struggle with that, am I right? Come on, how many guys said, how many guys, we struggle with with that. Am I right? So how many have ever struggled to be loved in Jesus name? Right? How many guys are you, maybe you've been there? Well, Jeremiah 31, three says your love it's on the back, right? So wherever you may find yourself with this car, wherever you may be struggling with, with your identity, we gave you a scripture verse to prove otherwise. So if you're in this room and you you've felt it's been difficult for you to identify as precious in God's sight, Isaiah 43, four says you're precious in God's sight. If If you struggle to be confident, God says that I am confident in Psalm 20 If you struggle to be victorious and you've always felt like a loser, Romans 8.37 says you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. If you you struggle to be valuable, Psalm 139.4 says you're the apple of his eye you struggle to be strong, 2 Corinthians 12.10 says your strength comes from the Lord. If you struggle to be hopeful, Ephesians 1.18 says our hope is in Christ Jesus. If you struggle to feel saved, Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says that salvation is a gift from God and it doesn't come from you, it's been given to you. If you struggle to feel blessed, Psalm 84.4 says he blesses us. If you struggle to feel healed, Psalm 32 says that you are healed through Christ Jesus. If you struggle to be a child of God, 1 John 3.1 says you've been adopted, into sonship with King Jesus. I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to be that anymore. You get to be this. And whatever Jesus says about you is what Jesus says about you. You don't have to worry about what the world and everyone else says about you. Why? Because when you walk in the door, you're changed. What is it God wants on your name tag? I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your past says. Today, through Jesus Christ, he paid a price so that we would have an eternity with him. John ten ten says, we would have a fulfillment on this earth. And it's hard to fulfill a purpose when you feel like you're trying to prove something to everybody else. So what is the secret? Let me give this to you quickly. What's the secret? All right, Brad, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put, my, I'm gonna put what, I, what I need on here. My new name's, I'm gonna write it on here. What do I do? You ready? It's gonna, be, it's gonna be revolutionary for you. Choose every day, say every day. Choose every day to declare and decree who you are in Christ. Choose every day. When you wake up and your kid comes running up to you and that bad boy's stuck right there. I'm just kidding. But when you wake up every day, you're getting ready to go to work and you open that wallet and you see this sitting in there. Hello, I'm a child of God. I'm victorious. I'm strong, even though I've always felt fragile. I'm, hello, and you're gonna start declaring this over your life, not because your declarations make it so. Listen, this isn't some word of faith crap, all right? This is decreeing an agreement with what God has already said about you. You're not creating something out of thin air. You don't have the power to do that. You're agreeing with what God created out of thin air. It says, you are a child of God. You are victorious. You are hopeful. You are saved. And so I wanna encourage you. We're gonna gonna look at this, but listen to me, listen to me. There are some days you don't feel it. Come on, help me out. Where, Where are my married folks at in here? There are some days they don't always make you feel loved and there are some days you don't make them feel loved. Help me out. Don't look at me like y'all know it. We already did the relationship series. That was February. Come on, help me out. There are some days you want to be on the couch by yourself. We'll do another one in June. Don't try me. There are some days you just want time. I love my wife. Right? We go on vacation, we got a three-day max. After three days, she's going to do her thing and I'm going to do my thing. It's the best version of our marriage. Why? Because every day you don't wake up feeling the same way. Listen to me. Every day you're not going to wake up feeling like this. You're going to have some days you don't feel victorious. That's why the lights are agreeing with me right now in Jesus' name. It's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something right now. That's a lie. That's just a lie. That's I'm not there. Because God says so every day, make it a point to say who you are in Christ. And if we did this, if we did this, imagine, I want you to imagine how much better life could be. Imagine how much better life could be if we chose to live with the name Jesus decreed for us. We would love better. We would live better. We would forgive better. We would give hope better. Come on, we would give grace better. If we know who we are, we're better for the people we're around. So let's be who God called us to be. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you and we love you. We're so grateful that you called us. And we're so grateful that you've given us a new name. We don't have to go back and we don't have to drag our old name forward. God, I pray that we would put down the heaviness, put down the burden, put down what we've been carrying around, and we would just pick up the name that you've given us. Thank you that you paid the price. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you need Jesus in your life. If you're here today, The Bible is just as true for you as it's been for us. That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But for you right now in this part of your life, this season, where you're at, you would say, Jesus is not the Lord of my life. And I I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I know about God, but my life doesn't belong to God. But today it needs to. Today that needs to change. If that's you, Jesus is ready to meet you right now. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is just putting words to the actions of your heart because the gospel says all it takes to be saved is that you put your faith in Jesus, your belief that when he died on the cross, he paid for your sins. And then we follow suit by giving our life to him, repent and turn to him. Today, if you're ready to make that move, we to invite you to pray this prayer with us and the whole church will pray with you. Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that pray that perhaps for the first time that we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you wanna connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially and we would love it if you would consider doing just that as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I wanna invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.